I'm Justin Lassick. And I'm Mike Badalino. And you're listening to 70s Big Radio. Your friends on your drive to your 9 to 5. That's right. Welcome, everybody, to episode 13 of 70s Big Radio. Today is Sunday, November 3rd, 2013. Wherever you are in the world, thank you for making 70s Big part of your day. Mike, how are you doing? Uh, I'm okay, man. My dog doesn't feel that well, so I'm a little sod. But other than that, I'm okay. You're sod. How are you? Is she okay? Is she going to be okay? Uh, I'm not positive. I don't know. She seems to be having some sort of hip problems. I don't know if it's a mobility issue or I don't really know exactly what's going she on. She probably so. needs to mope some more. I'm all right. My well, knees she, are... She mo- she mopes a lot. She runs ridiculous amounts. So, <laughs> so she, she just needs to mope a few more times. Yeah, she runs in a lot of circles, so hopefully she can get back to doing that pretty quickly. My knees weren't doing well when I was trying to train the other day, um, so I just had to resort to deadlifting, which is not one of my favorite things to do, but... Is it because of the arm length? Why well, I don't like deadlifting? Probably yes. because I just I'm terrible at them. <laughs> the little T Rex arms, <laughs> right? Well, the giant Popeye arms, but the uh, you know they're short. Um, it makes me look more jocked. It does. I, I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> um, well, I do want to talk to people about uh, Movember. Movember is a certain month out of the year in which we grow facial hair in order to raise money for uh, men's health and cancer awareness, research, and uh, kind of recovery from it. So 70s Big has been participating the past couple years in Movember as a team in which people can join the team and uh, uh, get donations to themselves individually and that'll contribute to the team. And so you can do that on uh, us.movember.com and you can just search 70s Big and you'll see, it'll bring up all the members and then you click a team and you just go to 70s Big. And you can either donate to the team, or you can donate to one of the individuals, or hopefully you can join the team. And we'd like everyone to try and raise, I don't know, 50 to to $100, because we had a bunch of people last year that didn't raise any money whatsoever. And if they had just raised 10 doll hairs or so, then we would have gotten a decent, we would have pushed our total up a little bit more. But we always raise, you know, uh, we always raise four to $6,000. So it's just trying to do a little bit uh, for cancer awareness and everything. And, and it's a little more real for me this year because uh, my stepdad has, uh, well, he had cancer and they were able to take it out. He had it in his uh, prostate and he had a surgery to remove it. So it's a little closer to home for me this year than it has been in a couple years past. So I always like to help out with uh, donating to this cause. <clears throat> so, moving on to uh, news in the lifting world, Mike. Uh, let's let's hear about Max Aida and Mark Bell. Uh, I, I, I knew there was going to be a meet at Super Training uh, in November, but I, I guess I didn't know when it was. So I guess it happened yesterday, but I guess Max Aida squatted 738 uh, with knee wraps raw. Uh, I'm not really positive if he's 220 or 242. I know he squatted 705. I think that was earlier this year in a USPA meet. But, uh, yeah, that's a big PR for him, so congrats to him. Uh, I'd like, I want to see it. I'm, I'm sure there will be tons of videos. But uh, And then Mark Bell benched uh, 545 at a uh, body weight of 242, so pretty pretty sweet. I spotted him when he benched 505 for a jokingly easy double. So And then I laughed after I saw it because it was so easy. Because it's ridiculous. I remember, it, was, uh, it was a joke. I remember when uh, John Wellborn came to uh, Ribs Gym in Texas, and he was training – and I spotted him when he benched 405, and he was using what I can only describe as like a close grip for John, because John has these shoulders that are like wide as a dinner table, and 
his grip just it was it was kind of more narrow than you would expect out of a guy his size. But he I think he talked about at the time that he used that kind of grip for football because it was kind of more applicable to uh, pass blocking and punching D tackles off and stuff. But he uh, he benched it for like a triple or something, and it was a joke. And he's just a huge man, and I, I, I gave him a lift off, and I didn't feel like I was doing anything. I felt like he lifted me and the bar off. So yeah, that kind of weight is just crazy. And then five five hundred for a double Jesus. Five oh five five. Yeah, I'm sorry. Five for five oh five for a double is just crazy. And then uh, crazy. Yeah. And oh fives. Eric Lillybridge and uh, Derek Kendall, who I didn't hear know about Derek Kendall. I don't know if Eric discovered him, but uh, he's in, also insanely strong. But they both squatted 905 yesterday, and it was – I don't know – I mean, someone can probably find this, but I don't know in the history of powerlifting if any two people ever trained together and both destroyed an, a squat over 900 pounds in the same day together like that, outside yeah. of a meet. And I mean, it was dis- it was disgusting. Lily Bridge has just this crazy hip drive. Uh, Kendall doesn't have too much trouble with it. He's a little slower bar speed, but he, he almost seems like he's more quad dominant almost out of the bottom, but they both just fucked it up. And, yeah. Uh, oh, it's also, by the way, it's raw, just to clarify for anybody who hasn't seen it. It's on the, the fan page that we linked the YouTube video. Uh, so well, he, he does have neat... He does have knee wraps, but they're yeah. to be to be fair, they're Lily Bridge world record knee wraps uh, that Mark Bell made. So they're uh, they're his own knee wraps, <laughs> his own brand, if you will. But they're not they're not wearing a squat suit. So still, this nine nine oh five is it was impressive to say the least. It's ins- it's insane. But uh, yeah, and I I mean uh, I don't Derek Kendall I think has been. He's been training with him for, I guess, maybe like two months or so, but he started posting the videos with him, and every time uh, Eric posts a video, he's like, 50-pound PR for Derek, 100-pound PR for Derek. It, 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 you know, that kind of weight, you wouldn't expect someone to – he's like, oh, the most I've ever done is like 850, so I'll do 905. Yeah. It's just it's just insane. He just doesn't So know. it's pretty sweet. Yeah, um, it's awesome. So hopefully he can get um, keep we, going. I mean, they both got to meet in two weeks, so it's going to be awesome. Didn't we see uh... – Blaine Sumner's first attempt at a raw 900 or so. Did we see uh, that in person? No, we saw what Blaine. He, yeah, what did he do at that first raw nationals when he was there? 854, I think. I think it was 854. And I just remember watching that and being fucking dumbfounded. Yeah, we we none of us had ever seen anything like that, and that was our first nationals, and it was it was just stupid. It was easy, and he destroyed it, and I was like, wow, that dude is pretty awesome. And Blaine is also a pretty good guy. Yeah. And then, uh, what about? Wasn't it at Texas State where we saw a guy put 900 on, and didn't he fucking? He got like, stapled with it. Dropped, yeah, he, didn't didn't he drop I, the weight or something though? I don't know. He got hurt or something. Yeah, that first Texas State. Yeah, something like that. that he, was, he was in gear, but uh, I don't know. I'm not sure what happened. All I remember is he was on the ground, and then he was grabbing. Well, his that's a, cat- a potentially catastrophic. Let's just drop uh, over seven, eight hundred, nine hundred pounds on people that are trying to do everything they can to keep it on your back, and you fucking just bail out. Well, he got yeah. hurt, but whatever. Anyway, um, so impressive lifters all around, and we're gonna try and keep the lifting news, uh, bring it to you guys every week. But I was I was trying to think of a, a, an interesting question for you, Mike, and I want to know what your top three lifters that you'd want to train with. If you could train with them for a while and kind of either learn from them or just hang out with them, what are your top three lifters? Uh, I would probably want to train with uh, 
Blaine. Definitely Blaine. Uh, Blaine Sumner. So, uh, if he ever stops through Wichita, he can train here. Hopefully, he just, yeah, hopefully there's enough weight. I was about but, to say, uh, do you have enough plates? Uh, I think I think I do have enough plates. I think I count, counted it out, and I, I think I can get nine-something on the bar. So, as long as he's not doing anything in gear that day, I'd be fine. But, uh, yeah, he's ridiculously intense. So, if you want to watch his, uh, I mean, he, yeah, he goes pretty crazy, like, routinely in training sessions <laughs> uh, for every lift. So, it's, it's pretty great. Uh, and then probably uh, Mike Tashir, just because he's so, uh, I don't know, just ridiculous to just watch him lift. It's just I, insane. Would you call him and methodical? Uh, I, yeah, I would call him ridiculously methodical. Very very much so. I mean, he hooks up computers all the Yeah, he's got a tendo, what a, his tendo that he hooks up to measure bar speed. And, uh, you know, that's how he compares all his PRs. And then he's got everything charted out over... You know how long he's been lifting, uh, and I think he's been lifting for like 15 years at this point. So yeah, pretty pretty methodical dude. And then the last one definitely would probably be Dan Green, just because I mean I went to his gym and met him, and really really chill dude. But you know I'm sure training him in, with him would be, uh, if you've ever watched any of his videos, I mean he pulls sumo, and then he did like a conventional set with 735 or 737 <laughs> or something for like two sets of five or six, just stupid. You know, just ridiculous weight. I imagine a lot of crazy loud music when Dan Green lifts. Uh, well, I can definitely tell you that when Mark Bell lifts, it's crazy loud music. <laughs> he uh, he did uh, he was I think he was listening to Five Finger Death Punch. I mean, like insanely loud. That was the mo the craziest atmosphere I've ever been was in a my train with those guys for that week. And whenever any of them went for a big lift, uh. There was a lot of really loud music and a lot of encouragement. So training in an atmosphere like that, you definitely get stronger just yeah. by walking through the door. And then uh, in contrast with Mike T, uh, when he puts his videos up online, he has yeah. like no music whatsoever. and He's just in his garage most of the time, or at least just, in the past he was. And every lift looks exactly like every other one. It's, yeah, and that's, yeah. The, that's the interesting thing about, about Mike is that uh, Mike T is that I think a lot of people can learn from his uh, from his approach because he, he makes everything look the same. Like when he's doing his warm-ups and stuff, he walks it out. Like he, I call it respecting the weight. And I usually have to teach people that are kind of new to this. And basically you respect the weight. Like you, you take your full breath and you squat it out of the rack and you, you know, control your steps out. And he, you know, does his very, uh, very robotic steps out. And then you set your breath the same every time. And basically like every rep, if you do that with every warm-up set, it's basically practice for the real deal so that by the time you get to that heavyweight or you get to the meat platform, you've done it the same way thousands of times instead of just walking your 225 or your 315 or your 405 out like it's no big deal and just fucking boink, boink, boink without like really focusing on your rigidity and your in your trunk and everything. So that's that's a good lesson I think that, that people could learn by watching Mike T lift. And then uh, the first time I ever saw him lift was in uh, at Raw Nationals in 2011, which I think was his his first Raw Nationals was in Scranton, uh, and he was warming up with I think it was 405, and I expected the bar at the top uh, of every rep. I think he did it like two or three times. I expected it to just gain wings and just fly away. Yeah. Because I I've, I've never seen 405 move like that. It, it, oh god, I don't I don't even know what happened. I just I was like, did he just did he do a rep? It was it yeah. was fast. I've seen Chris move move like his warm up sets pretty fast, but Mike T definitely does it on the regular. 
So he's a, yeah, he's a what's that? It's, it's just a lot of years and a lot of lot of experience and a lot of uh, trial and error with different yeah. things. Yeah, and then with lifting, of course, like consistency is key. So um, yeah, if you have to mess around with your with your setup and your your uh, your approach to the bar each each time, you know, get it figured out and then just keep it the same. And also, yeah. uh, I studied a uh, sports psychology when I was in school, along with exercise physiology and. We would read about how, especially the Russians would teach their their athletes, whether it were for divers or weightlifters or whatever, they would teach them kind of like a an imagery technique in which they would imagine themselves um, doing the lift, whether it was from the third or first person in their mind. They would imagine themselves having a successful uh, completion or attempt at whatever it is they were doing prior to it. So you can see some guys kind of almost go into a meditation in weightlifting. Weightlifting is a very different sport than powerlifting, but having some sort of approach, but making it consistent over time will help when you do step on a platform. And if you haven't stepped on a platform, then sign up to do so and you can start actually implementing this shit instead of just getting all excited when you hear about it. So we always wanted to encourage people to actually get into a competition where your stress levels are high and you're all antsy, you're ready to hit lifts. Yeah, I, I love, God, I love competing. I really do. It's the most. It makes makes training so much more fun. And you know, uh, man, was it? There was a question. Uh, you want to just jump right into the questions because this one's pretty relevant. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, he was talking about uh, something about do you change your training throughout the year so that it doesn't uh, get old? Something like that. Do you remember that question? Oh, here we go. I got it. Uh, it's from Chris F. He says. Uh, for the 70s big crew, for most of you, for most of you all that do some competitive powerlifting or Olympic lifting, do you have parts of the year where your program shifts to a different gear to avoid avoid burnout? Now, do you think he's you think he's talking about psychological burnout or physical? What do you think? Uh, I think he could be talking about both, and because I think that that's both of those things are relevant. Um, yeah. Typically, with younger guys, which I would include us in that, we don't really get too much mentally burned out but it can be frustrating to train really hard and then have kind of shitty results in a meet yeah uh, but what what would you how would you go about answering this let's hear your thoughts first uh well i'll just focus because i've never done any olympic lifting so i'll just focus well, on yeah talk about the sports the sports you yeah, have been involved with I'll, I'll focus on powerlifting and strongman and then you know i've done a couple other random like the clydesdale games and a couple highlanders uh i would say i mean it's I don't want to say it's it's hard it's impossible to get burned out on strongman, but uh, strongman is just so varied that you just have to be good. I mean, you have to be strong, you have to be technically efficient, uh, and you know you have to be good at all the events. Uh, so, you know, you have a lot of different things you need to be good at. So you have to keep that in mind over the years, I guess. I mean, I've only been doing it for just over a year, but you you know you have to have an idea of what you need to get better at and what you're already good at. Uh, so there's always I'm always thinking about different ways to, you know, improve all my different events, as well as to get really strong. Because if you know, you can be technically efficient all day, but if you're not strong, you're going to lose anyway. Uh, so that there's that. But with powerlifting, you know, you've got three lifts. At the end of the day, there's squat, bench, deadlift. So uh, I think avoiding burnout. I just I, I like competing. I, you know, you uh, uh, you have a goal, and if you compete, I'd say. I don't want to say a minimum, but I, I think a good number for most people is probably twice a year. Uh, you know, if they've got the money to compete, the time to get out and time to get out and do it. Uh, I think twice a year is probably a you know a good 
uh, something to shoot for. Like with powerlifting, there's a uh, you know Chris and I and AC. Uh, we always had the you know we've got nationals and then we had the Arnold, and that's what I did for uh, for two years. And I like that you know you've got the the nationals, which is a big meet uh, that you're prepping for, and you've got to qualify for the Arnold. So and you you know by your Wilkes total. So you do that. You prep for the you prep for nationals. You you hit your numbers, and then you go to the Arnold and uh, you leave it all out there. I mean you. You're not trying to qualify for anything else. Uh, you're, you're just trying you're to at, hit your yeah, you're at the Arnold. Possible. Yeah. Right. So my suggestion would be, uh, you know, compete, do like a, you know, do a state meet, and then do a national meet. And if you're not quite at that level yet, then do more local meets until you are, uh, you know, you're you feel like you're good enough to get to nationals, or you actually qualify for like you know the American Open in uh, in weightlifting, or if you hell if you qualify for like the Pan Am Games. Yeah. Uh, well, but. I got a question. Have a goal. There you go. Yeah. Um, you you and Chris did that uh, meet locally in Texas in December, mm-hmm. and that's kind of splitting between the Arnold and Nationals. Oh yeah. So would you say that that was that was okay to do? Because you guys intended on using it as a as just kind of just, a, a training day. You talking about the one two years ago or the one this December? Uh, didn't you do it last year? It was around Christmas time, or no? That was two years ago. Okay, so you guys used it as a as a as a training day, and you both did pretty well at it. Do you think that yeah. doing something like that in between your bit your two big major meets, do you think that adds more stress to your training, or do you think it kind of keeps the fire under your ass? I uh, I definitely think it keeps the fire going because think about it. I mean, you've got you know for that meet, I didn't really taper. I mean, that <laughs> week, I I think I I stopped uh, doing quite as much like the pre- the previous Saturday, so. You know, maybe the last week I did some sort of uh, tapering. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, I just kind of showed up. I mean, Chris and I ate chilies Friday night. We woke up at like 5 in the morning, drove two and a half hours, competed, and Chris had a very good meet, at which he, and then he would do even better at the Arnold. Uh, that's still the best meet I've ever had, uh, unfortunately, for, for a variety <laughs> of reasons. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that was a good uh, – that set me up pretty well for the Arnold. Uh even though I didn't do great at the Arnold, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Doing like something that you don't have to, you don't have to. I didn't have to take a day off of work, you know. I didn't. I just drove down there. Uh, so if something's close, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, with weightlifting, again, uh, somewhat somewhat different because if you go to a small enough meet, yeah, you might have to follow yourself a bunch of times. Yeah. Like Brent Brent found out pretty recently, and you know, I know we talked about his meet, but I think he followed himself on. At least I, all three. I know for sure all three. Well, I know that I, I had to follow myself a lot because I did. Yeah. I did uh, local meets and then I went to nationals, and that was the first yeah. time I when I went to nationals. Uh, it was the first time I had ever had to wait like ten minutes between attempts, and it was weird actually. Um, I got some help there because I didn't have anybody handing me till I got to clean and jerk, and I actually had to do a, you know a power clean and jerk around a hundred to stay warm in order to go out and do. I think I did one fifty seven on my third, which was uh, I guess a meat PR at the time but <clears throat> I, I, uh, I can't say I haven't really competed a whole lot lately with uh, what I'm what I've been doing nowadays I've had to do some other stuff that takes away from from training and lifting but I do know that um, weightlifting it just depends on if you're if you're completely invested in your sport because there are a lot of people that read 70s big <clears throat> excuse me that uh, are interested in just strength sports in general so yeah. They might go and compete in uh, powerlifting, and then go over and compete in uh, in weightlifting, and then some of them still compete in CrossFit and stuff. And 
And uh, even even getting in those competitions, that's better than, than no competition, in my opinion. So somebody who is going to be competing in a lot of sports, like they have a lot going on, then I would give them the suggestion that that's fine. Just, you know, pick your pick your competition and then train for that solely. And then and then uh, then transition to the next thing solely. So if you're going to do a power meet, then train for that for the as much as you can lead into it and then depending on how much time you have before your next competition do that until that competition so it's, it's better if you can space them out throughout the year and I wouldn't mind if someone had you know four four competitions a, a year would be fine but in, in some certain states like Florida and California you can do a weightlifting meet every damn month if you want to and like I know Ben Clairdad when he <laughs> when he has the time and the money like he'll just compete fucking all year it seems like and he's done he did yeah, he's he's. I think when we talked about it, when I was at his house, I think he's done fifty meets. I, I think it's I think it's around fifty. And that's so many. And he'll have he <laughs> yeah. has meets where I'm sure he's had meets where he's bombed out. That he's had PRs. That he's just had mediocre days. Like he's had all kinds of meets. And so that's that's unique. Uh, that's a unique approach because weightlifting you can do that. It's more so than powerlifting. So basically, yeah. uh, in general, I would say though, like to prevent burnout, like that's kind of on the individual. If if competition keeps the fire under your ass do it but if you have to there it's also good to have a sport that has an off season you know like football when i played that i mean obviously you get like 10 you know 10 weeks or so of actual season time where you're just pounding your body and i would always i would always lose weight by the end of the season and it was i could tell that it was beating my body down because you're slamming into people as fast as you can go all you, the whole entire time and so it's good to have that recovery after the season. It's good to have that off-season time to, to focus on strength training. And then you have, like, your preseason time to get back into your sports-specific type strength and conditioning-related stuff like agilities and explosive work. And then you've got, like, your preseason of where you're actually getting into pads and starting to hit again. And then you've got your season again. So I, if someone feels like they're burning out, then I would give them that suggestion, like, once they're done with their big meet, then go into like a month or so of time period where they just go and have fun in the gym instead of feeling like they have to do go and do it like it's a job. And then that fire usually comes back to people when they have to mess around for a while. Hey, so speaking of that, uh, I remember when uh, Rip interviewed Kurt Kowalski. Uh, Kurt talked about after, I think after Worlds every year, he maybe even after Nationals every year, he would take three weeks off fully not not even look at the gym. He said he wouldn't even drive. He would drive as far away from the gym as he could wherever he was going. I thought that was I thought that was pretty awesome. <laughs> he just did not want. To, I mean, because you know when he was at that level, the you know being the best in the world, uh, you definitely. I mean, that's a huge investiture of time and yeah, your entire life. Uh, so yeah, taking that three weeks off or you know taking time off, that's also important for some people that want to uh, avoid burnout. So. Should we get to another question? <laughs> we spent like 15 minutes on that one. It's a good question, though. Thanks for that one, Chris. Uh, another really good question that a lot of people were probably asking is uh, from Justin C. Justin said, how should training philosophy change as competition approaches? Getting ready for my first powerlifting competition next month, uh, and I'm right at the end of a uh, linear progression. Obviously, it's time to lift heavy, but should a lift your structure training while keeping a competition tape in mind? Thoughts, Justin L.? Justin L. <laughs> I thought that was part of the question. I was reading the question. I was like, "What the fuck?" No, did you say no. That? All right. No, no, well, no. Uh, I <clears throat> excuse me. This this is kind of a standard question. Like we we urge people to to compete, 
and then uh, they actually get to it and they're like, oh, what do I do? And at the very least, if someone's on a linear progression, they can just kind of yeah. carry that linear progression into the meet. I'll say like the easiest thing to do is if, if your meet's on Saturday and you are, have a training, you normally train Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, whatever, then your first session, you could keep it exactly the same. You could do a three by five on squat. You could do your press or your bench, preferably bench of the week of the meet. And then uh, maybe like a, a light a light deadlift session and then the Wednesday could be a light day and then you just go do the meet and then you're gonna learn the hard way that way of how to conduct a meet but that's when you go to the meet like we have all kinds of meet prep guides on the website like your first powerlifting meet uh, search that on 70s big and it basically says you know uh, open low and then uh, try and hit you know what you try and hit something on your third attempt that is that is reasonable because you're not gonna be able to do a lot above your three by five weight because you're not used to maxing out and stuff. So that's that's one approach. And and Mike, what's you kind of you have usually have good advice for guys that are uh, prepping for a meet. Let's. So what would you tell them if you weren't gonna tell them that method? If I wasn't gonna tell them that method, I would say it depending on you know it depends on how strong he is or how uh, you know how fast he's progressing. Let's say he's progressing at a pretty average pace. Uh, you know, some setbacks, maybe he has to drop, you know, reset, drop 10 pounds uh, periodically once a month or so. Uh, so let's say maybe two weeks out, last deadlift, uh, one week out, last heavier squat. And then he could probably, if, you know, if he's not, uh, if the intensity isn't too high, maybe take a bench session like that Monday or that Tuesday, depending on his schedule. But yeah, I, I don't know, just in my experience, I've seen a lot of people, a lot of people need to rest their deadlift more so than their, you know, need the rest of their deadlift the most, the squat uh, a little less, but still quite a bit. And then, I don't know, a lot of people can get away with benching even within a week. I think uh, AC, let's see, AC took uh, 370, so he took about 90% this past week. And then next Saturday is competing, and I think he's going to work up to his uh, last warm-up on Wednesday. And his last warm-up is around, I think, 330 or 335 around a uh, 368 opener. So hoping to see AC crush 402 next weekend. But uh, I think I know we can do it. So and, uh, With you guys rooting for him. But my point is, uh, rest of the deadlift the most, squat a little less, but still rest it. And that's, know, bench. that's pretty much a derivative of how early yeah. on that's how I approached programming uh, people leading to a powerlifting meet. And then... And then uh, that's how Mike and I like to do it. Usually, like, the, the last heavy deadlift is going to be two weeks out. The closest I would have a, a heavier deadlift, which is, I don't know, could be, like, 85 to 90% um, of an expected one rep max. It's kind of hard to deal with, maybe, Justin in this case, because he may not know what his maxes are because he's doing a linear progression. But right. Mike and I will have, like, an 85% pull. Like, like I, I used to say kind of, like, don't get any closer than 10 days out because resting that is really important, like Mike said. And then... You know, I've had people hit like a, a decently heavy squat, like a second attempt style squat on the week before. And so it's basically just resting is yeah. what most people need. And in this case, I would just give the tip of, you know, go and read about how to choose your attempts so that your first attempt something that you would definitely crush. Like you could do it for a triple and then, you know, just make five kilo jumps or something and just go up and hit hit a like a medium second second attempt and then your third attempt is going to be um like if you were like oh i want to hit this pr then back that off a little bit and hit that because 
because if you jump to PRs, especially on deadlift, when you're just been doing a linear progression, you're going to be burned out for it. So, re, I, I like uh, I like the articles we have on the site for people that are starting their first meet because the best thing to do on your first meet is go nine for nine and feel like oh, yeah. you could have done a lot more because you'll be so fucking excited and you don't want to go in there and fucking miss stuff because somebody did that and I don't know if I talked to her before the meet. Um, there was a girl, I can't remember her name, but she was squatting a little high, and I think, I don't know if I either saw it, or I talked about it, or I don't know if I talked to her, I can't remember, but the point is, she, like, bombed out on squat, and she was expecting to do big things, she came from a CrossFit gym, um, and she went into a meet and got red-lighted on all of them, because she wasn't squatting low enough, and... Nationals 2012? Um, I don't, I can't remember, man, I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I wasn't at the meet, so... Oh, okay, I thought you were at that meet, okay, different person. But anyway, let's carry it over to the next question. Hey, real quick, last thing for Justin. Don't make stupid huge jumps. All right, so let's let's not make 65 oh, jumps. Oh, we, we call that the... Uh, we call that AC, the... <laughs> AC jump. Yeah, AC jumps. The AC jump, when you make like a fucking retarded 50-pound jump beyond what you... It's just don't, don't do anything stupid. Just keep it easy. The most, I would suggest like... 10 kilo jumps at the most, but you're probably gonna stick to five kilos. Whatever you can do for a triple, just make five kilo jumps and you're gonna be happy. You get some experience yep. on the platform and go from there. I think it was AC squatted 534 and then made a jump to like 578 or 573. Yeah. And it just it just wasn't happening. No. So and this was years ago. This is when he didn't have a lot of platform experience, but uh the AC jump is just the the term is just stuck with us. So Alright, next question. JS says, new daddy here and seeking some training advice related to inconsistent and limited sleep. All right, uh, Justin, I'll, met, I'll talk about this real quick and then let you finish up with it. Uh, Scott Yard, so you need to go to the Elite Fitness and you need to follow Scott Yard. Follow his training log. Uh, because, I'm. let's see, he started competing. Well, hold on, tell, him, tell the audience who Scott Yard is first. I'm about to, man. Okay. Jeez. God. All right, anyway. Uh, Scott Yard. So, Scott Yard Geek! He, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I love Scott Yard's name. But uh, he started competing in USAPL in uh, early 2011, I think. And then the first time that I met him was at Nationals in Sprint in 2011. And I think he was, oh man, I can't remember if he was about to have his second kid or sometime around that. Uh, but anyway, he, he had a young daughter at that time and that then shortly thereafter he had another they had another kid uh so if you follow his training log you know he talks about he's like you know he gets all his uh squats deadlifts and benches in with his uh with his training partners and then he kind of gets his accessory stuff in at the y when it's like when his kids are swimming or uh he, he really tries to manage his time as well as he can and uh you know, you, you can, he talks about his, like, his struggles with diets and stuff, you know, when his wife was pregnant. Uh, I, I think it's really, I mean, I don't know. I've learned a lot from it. I don't have any kids right now, uh, but I think when I do, I'm definitely going to look back on the stuff that he did because, you know, he'll be like, man, I got my first seven hours of sleep last night. It was amazing, uh, and I felt great for training today. Uh, but he's, I mean, like I was telling Justin right before we started this when we went over the questions, he's really freaking strong. I mean, recently squatted 625 for a double pulled 675 for a double and benched 480 for a double uh so at any body weight that's pretty damn good and uh, i think his sleep has started to get better as his kids have grown a little bit but still i mean you know he's a he's a dad with two young two young kids and yeah definitely look into him justin uh 
this is uh, this is just one of those situations where you do what you can, and it's basically what Mike just talked about with with Scott, is that you just get get what you can when you can. And Scott's kind of a higher level lifter, but I don't know what Jay, what his level of experience is, but at the very least, uh, your best bet is to try and get something in your garage, even if you don't have a dump, uh, a barbell or a platform or a rack or anything. If you can get some old dumbbells or a kettlebell or something and a jump rope, then if you're if your wife is feeding the baby or if your wife and the baby are asleep for a few minutes you can sneak out and get like a some sort of Tabata workout or something going on in the garage just to get some training in and keep your uh, keep your systemic stress going and by that I mean like doing something that's that's short and intense enough where you're still having a systemic stress on your body and not just uh, not just a low intensity type thing that's just gonna not stimulate your metabolic activity um, so when you train with strength training, you train a lot of musculature and it causes a big stress. And then when you do high intensity conditioning, it does the same thing. So the idea is like, if you can only have, a f if you only have a few minutes throughout the week to do something, then make it intense if you can, or just get some work in. Cause sometimes like you might be so tired that it's not going to be very effective, but if you can get whatever you can get, that's going to be better than nothing. And then as for sleep, you know, sleep is incredibly important. Uh, I just... I just wrote about it on the last PR Friday, like the little quick tip number two. It's just, you know, getting consistent sleep is so important, but when you have a newborn and you have an infant, that's not going to happen. So do everything you can to make the sleep the best it can be. So whether that's get, trying to black out your room, getting the temperature down if possible, um, having uh, maybe reading some fiction before you actually get into the bed so that your mind's not all cluttered so you actually can get to sleep, progressive relaxation to prep yourself for sleep. Um, trying to get the most out of your sleep, maybe taking some ZMA and just making sure your other supplement and nutrition is as good as it can be because sometimes you have a pregnant wife or you have little toddlers and the food is not the best. I know some guys will end up, I remember uh, hanging out with Gant and he would be getting stuff uh, from Brahms <laughs> after judo because he's, that's what he's getting his kids and stuff. Oh, that was awesome. You, you remember when he had, uh, you came over to my house that night after that, he, uh, they were closing, and he was like, he was real tired, and he wanted like a shake or a burger, and they yeah. said they could they couldn't do it or something, and he was like, <sighs> he was just so, he was just real run down. <laughs> so it's awesome. So if you're if you just try and do the best you can with what you have, and then putting some kind of effort in is going to be better than not putting any effort, because so many people just say, ah, fuck it, I don't have time. But if you you know you got five minutes, do a Tabata workout. You know if you if you can try and get try and get whey protein and if you haven't been able to eat a lot of meat then just you know get 75 grams away instead of your normal 50 if you have to so just do what you can when you can that's all you can really do would justin would you say that you have to be realistic about these things yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> who also said that uh the bloody nine yeah logan nine fingers man so there there uh there's a book you need to read there uh who was it jay yeah check out anything about joe abercrombie if you want something to read before you go to sleep That'll help yeah. you not. Whether, yeah, for for real, anybody listening to this, if you like this website, then you're probably gonna like the writing style of Joe Abercrombie. His Read first it. his first uh, book, his first novel was, or three novels, is called the First Law Trilogy, and the first book I think is called The Blade Itself. Uh -huh. And uh, he's a really good, really good writer, really good uh, plot development, character development, and a lot of violence and detailed uh, fight scenes, like kind of. Uh, knives and swords and stuff and but really well told story and very 
very cool characters, and uh, I've read all six of his books so far. And uh, you don't feel like you needed uh, to uh, take a bottle of ibuprofen after, kind of like you do with the uh, last two books in a, uh, a Song of Ice and Fire, because you're so damn confused as to what the hell is going on. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's a little more straightforward. Yeah. Forward. Abercrombie is definitely uh, able to stay on his storyline instead of instead of having story ADD and creating 20 storylines when he should have just stayed with the 7 or 8 he started with. 20 is an understatement. Which is what George Martin does. And speaking of Martin, if you guys want to read, like, to see Martin's pure writing ability, because he is a good writer, then read Fever Dream. Dude, Uh, that is such a great book. Fever Dream... uh, It's amazing. I told Mike about it. He wrote it before before A Song of Ice and Fire got big. And uh, it's basically about a steamboat captain who is just trying to make it in the 1800s and he kind of in, it sounds cheesy but he kind of has an encounter with uh with a vampire and now it's, it. dude it's one of the best books i've ever read it really is it's yeah. definitely in my top 20 or top 25 for He's, sure yeah so it's just martin just pure martin it only has two character perspectives i think as instead of like in in uh, the game of 40. thrones the Game of Thrones series, you literally have, I don't know, 30 character perspectives throughout the entire five books. There's only yeah. two perspectives, and he just, like, does, you know, he can explain scenes, he can talk about what's going on without getting, without letting the grandioseness of the story get in the way of telling it. So, that was a fucking digression right there. But man, those are some good books. But anyway, uh, Ryan W. asked, where should a 400-plus pound man begin his journey? Die and lose fat first or jump in head first? Mobility work for a larger person so they actually hit their ROM doing astigraph squats. What's a good program to start on? Justin, you want to start with this one? Okay, so he's basically saying, like, where, where can I start? Because if a person's going to find any kind of website, whether it's CrossFit <coughs> or even 70s Big, they're going to be like, oh, there's so much shit this guy's talking about. Uh, he's talking about, like, programming. He's talking about, like, nutrition. And there's so much stuff you can do in nutrition by itself. And he's talking about mobility and all this. And I just, like, and maybe Ryan's whatever he may have played sports when he was younger or may not have i don't know but he may have been like man i've just been a bigger guy my whole life or he might have been like man i kind of ballooned up i used to be like 280 but now like fucking 400 and uh the the thing that ryan just needs to do is say like i'm gonna start and i'm gonna be consistent with something and uh with so many people that get to be bigger folk and i've done i've done like a biggest loser type thing when i was in school i was one of the trainers for it um, and I've worked with a lot of people that are obese and stuff that, and the, and they weren't really committed enough to go and ask someone on a website like Ryan's doing. So I hope he's kind of like made the commitment, but their problem was always actually committing to this type of shit. And part of the problem was that some of the, tra- like the program that was, it wasn't, I didn't have comprehensive control over the program and they had a lot of stuff thrown their way about what they could or what they couldn't eat. And my thing is I always want to like take them in steps because if I'm like, hey, Ryan, you got to stop drinking soda. You're pretty much not going to have any processed sugar. You're pretty much just going to eat clean meat and you're not really going to have many like things that are going to affect your insulin. Like he can't do that because whatever he's done has gotten him to 400 pounds and he just can't fucking stop doing everything at once because because eating and exercising is a behavioral thing and behavioral changes to, to completely change to completely have it's it's behavior is like everything you do in life <laughs> and and it's a behavior change as opposed to just like a man what am i fucking trying to say but when someone has a consistent set of 
actions and feelings throughout the day and it like develops into into what they've become that's very difficult to change just like turning flipping a switch and it has to be like a progression over time so the first thing ryan has to do is like i'm gonna fucking commit 15 minutes you know four times a week to doing something and Mike and I were talking before we started recording, and we we're like, he just needs to go walking or something, you know? If he has just, dogs, it, just yeah, just start walk. I mean, dude, when I started, when I was uh, when I was in high school, uh, I mean, this is before I, that was man, I was like two thirty, and I had never done anything really, and I just started walking, man, and uh, you know, I just started walking and progressed into jogging, progressed into running. Don't know what the hell I was running for, but it's fine. Uh, and eventually, I found strength training, but. Uh, my advice is to, uh, you know, I, I, I would also think maybe he should get some blood work done to just see how everything looks. I don't know. What do you think? If he yeah. has, if he has insurance, maybe just to see how everything looks. Sure. I mean, that's, that's how, one how his heart is. You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're 400 pounds, then obviously you've got stuff going on that, that could create complications, whether we're talking about cardiovascular or respiratory system. So I just do want to stress to Ryan, like, like you, you, you're you're at this point and your path is going to go to the right and you're going to continue down the path of being 400 pounds or possibly making it worse or you go to the left and you're going to fucking do something about it and it's it's completely up to ryan whether or not he does it and i'm what i want to say right now is first off we're i'll help him if he wants to stay in touch through the website and shit along the way but it's his fucking decision and it's either it's either go to the right and have shit not go well or go to the left and fucking take control of over this and he's completely he has all the all the manpower to do it on his own and he he's he can be stronger with it than he knows he's just, just got to make the decision and this coming from someone who like i have problems changing my behavior stuff all the time um but if you if you're like all right i don't want to end up you know having problems health problems in my 30s 40s i don't know how old ryan is i don't want to have health problems and i want to have whether it's self-esteem or whatever the fuck He's just got to be like, fuck this. I'm going to do this. No one's going to stop me. And he's got to have that drive that goes into him. And so if he's got to get a person that he looks up to, but you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger could be an example, but he's kind of like maniacal about how committed he is. But that's how Ryan has got to be. And he can make change. People do it all the time. It's up to Ryan. And I want to fucking challenge Ryan to come back and be like, hey, I just started walking dudes and it's been a month and I've lost, you know, 10 pounds, even if it's, even if it's that. You know, because like every step he makes, one step closer to being whatever his goal is, and he should set a goal. I want to weigh two hundred pounds, and I want to be—I want to be muscular. That's completely possible, and guys have done it before. So, just start doing something, and then. But to be more specific, I think he's looking for like some training and dietary advice. Like, like if you drink soda, Ryan, just fucking stop, stop drinking, drinking soda. Stop drinking soda. If you and drink then, a lot of beer, stop drinking beer. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> do, beer's good. Like the thing is that uh, that I always say to people that are in this position, like you've done things a certain way that got you here. So you kind of have you have to stop doing some of those things and start doing something else. So, like if you're like, man, I really like beer and soda. Well, do you like being 400 pounds? And the answer is probably no, because you're coming to me with the problem. So, so uh, you know, stop drinking soda. Stop drinking beer. You could say like for th for 30 days, I'm not gonna have a beer. And that might suck, but hey, you're not gonna have a fucking beard. You're gonna not get all those calories, and and it's gonna improve you. And say so, not drink soda or beer, and then just start doing something four days a week for 15 minutes. Even if that shit yeah. is is standing up and down on a chair for that length of time, or just going outside and walking a dog, like that's better than nothing, man. And then that's, that's how you it. start. But if you're gonna squat, squatting, pressing, deadlifting, that'll all be great. 
Um, just do what mobility you can do if you're going to do mobility. But what I'm more concerned with is you actually starting something. Because you said, what is a good program to start on? And the program, the best program for you is just having a consistent one. Doesn't matter what you do. You could go do machines. I don't give a fuck. Go on the machines and do ten yeah, machines. Whatever, man. Four yeah. days a week. That's not going to hurt you. The first, the first order of business is making it a habit to do something about it, and you can do that. And so that's what I want you to do, man. All right. Our next question is from this. Uh, I don't know how to say this in Canadian. Uh, Mark uh, Maratota. Uh, he Mar screwed. Maraticus. He screwed this quote up, which kind of irritates me because it's. <laughs> Because it's, hey, Janelle, what's wrong with Wolfie? It's not just what's wrong with Wolfie. But uh, Wolfie's fine, honey. Wolfie's just fine. Uh, where are you? So next question. Uh, Your foster Tristan. parents are dead. Yeah. So, hey, did Arnold uh, did Arnold respond anything? Because I know we, uh, on Reddit, we were trying to upvote the... Uh, your foster parents. I doubt dead. it because the fucking people on Reddit, like I like Reddit and I look at it on a regular basis, but oh, they, can you say I'll be back, please? Yeah, like let's have them say the same shit that we talk. Like everybody that knows an Arnold quote says the same shit over and over, and we want to hear like a compelling quote, like your yeah. foster parents are dead, or, or I like you, Cindy. Yeah, I like you, Cindy. I li maybe maybe I lied, you know? Yeah, I but lied. Yeah, there are a lot of good quotes that uh. That that get overlooked. One of them definitely being your foster parents are dead. That's yeah. <laughs> if I get a text, a random text, and it says your foster parents are dead, that's it makes my day. That's how I won the uh, that shirt from Spot Me Bro. Yeah, uh, yeah. They said uh, Spot Me Bro was like, hey, retweet your uh, your best Arnold quote, and I was like, your foster parents are dead. And like a couple hours later, they're like, hey, you won, you got a free shirt. Sweet. <laughs> uh, all right, Tristan asks. Should strength standards, as divine, defined in the appendix section of FIT, be dependent on height as well as age and body weight? Particularly interested in how a squat one-arm progression appears slower in taller individuals. Now, I wish he had said how tall is tall. Uh, tall is probably know. two meters. That'd be tall. I would think two meters would be tall. Like, a nine-foot man would be tall? That'd be tall to me. Nine, nine feet would be significant. Yeah, that'd be... I mean, you need to get a custom. Well, it just depends. Everything. It, it just depends if his height is. I mean, it depends on his body weight. Yeah. Yeah. Your your body weight. Yeah. Nine feet if, might if, be good for his body weight. Yeah. If he's two twenty and six seven, uh, he's maybe a little light. You know. I want to tell them. Bit. I want to tell the audience. Uh, I was talking to. This is like four years ago. I did this. Um, we were talking about. Franco Colombo, and he deadlifted what, 738 or something? Is that famous? I he deadlifted. Oh, I'm not sure what that picture was, but yeah, yeah. What did he deadlift though? Uh, I don't. I, I thought he had an 800 plus pound deadlift. I could be wrong. Well, but he, I thought he deadlifts. He's he's really strong. Franco Colombo is like the short bodybuilder that pals around with Arnold back in the uh, pumping iron videos and stuff. Um, and Chris and I were talking about it, and I was like, yeah, but that's not really good for his body weight. And Chris was really confused, and he was looking at me, and he was like. Yeah, yeah, it is, because he weighs like 185 or 190, 200 the most. And I was like, yeah, and it's not good for his body weight. And I kept this up for like <laughs> seven, for several days. I kept it up, and he would get so pissed off at me. And then I never really, I never really like said that I was just kidding. And I just have, I always continued it. And then so if I say, yeah, but it's not good for his body weight, he just dismisses me completely. We say that a lot. 
Yeah, like it's not like a ridiculous lift. We're like, oh, he, he pulled a thousand fifteen. We're like, I mean, it's it's pretty good for his body weight, I guess. You know, he got yeah, he was, obviously it's insanely no, good. It's but hard to you, make if you if you say that to someone, they're like, like no, no, dude, that's that's really good. You're like, well, I mean, yeah, it's okay, but I mean, it'd be more impressive if he weighed like fifty pounds less, I guess. You know, and you control the crap out of someone with that, so. Your goal for the week is to tell someone that it's pretty good for their body weight. That's like a Brent-type goal, but it, I, I think it would be good. And but report back. It's hard to piss Chris off, but I pissed him off really bad back then. and He would just, he would just dismiss me and walk away. You, um, you know what else pissed Chris off? The what, what else is in a sport? Remember that? Yeah. We were watching Pumping Iron. Well, you were there, right? Yeah. Yeah, we were watching Pumping Iron, and Chris had had uh, a few adult beverages. And uh, we're watching Pumping Iron, and uh, this guy... This this guy that worked with Chris, his name was must. We called him Mustache Mike. Uh, Horrible he was mustache. A, <laughs> oh God! If you ever, oh man, terrible. Great dude, love Mike. But I used to say that he would, because uh, he would always like kind of stroke his mustache. I would say because and he was a quiet guy, so I would say that he stroked his mustache in order to get the loose words out. You know, that got stuck up in his mustache. Yeah. But uh, Mike's sitting on my couch and we're watching Pumping Iron. And he just looks at the screen and he goes, bodybuilding isn't a sport. And uh, Chris like, pause the movie, pause the movie. He's like, what What did you say? He's like, bodybuilding isn't a sport. And Chris gets so mad. And this is like midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we're like, Chris, come down. He's like, no, 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 What else is in a sport, Mike? Huh? What else is in a sport? And just starts yelling at him. And I'm like, dude, this is, it, it's okay. And uh, yeah, the there's another trolling line that we use. What else is in a sport? Like that, that's not a sport. Yeah, Chris got all mod. His goss was off. Yeah, his goss was off. But what the hell were we even talking about? All right, about? so okay. uh, he Hi- wants to know if like for, uh, if like yeah, the progression, standards. just like the standards in general, uh, yeah, they de- are dependent on taller individuals. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, uh, let's uh, put it this way: Brian Shaw and Hafthor Bjorkson. They're six eight and six nine respectively. Uh, I, I'd say they, I mean, they weigh more, but they're able to, you know, complete all their lifts with full range of motion. All right, here's, I mean, here's, here's talk, what I think. unless we're talking about someone's like seven feet, is he is Tristan seven feet tall? No, here's what I think he's getting at. He's basically saying okay. like he's probably like my squat's not progressing really well, and I'm comparing myself to these standards that are written in this book. And yep. I'm fucking tall, and I want to see if that's a reason why I'm not progressing well. And that'd be a fair enough qu- a question. And I think that's what he's getting at. And if not, well, then fuck okay. me, right? Uh, but <laughs> agree. <laughs> but so basically, if you're tall, dude, and you're uh, and you're maybe thinner and stuff because your frame, you have to fill out your frame in order to have the same kind of density as like a shorter dude. Then Work. yeah, it's gonna take you. It's gonna take you longer to progress on your strength list, especially when you're not taking steroids or you're not eating a ridiculous amount of food. So if you're kind of like a taller, slightly thinner dude, you're not going to have the same mechanical advantage because you're, the angle that your muscles uh, have when they, they because your muscles go and they cross a joint and they make joints move. That's because how movement works. And so if your muscles are smaller, then the angle is going to be more acute. Or in other words, it's going to be less advantageous to move that joint than it would be if your muscles were bigger. And so that's, that's part of why having bigger muscles is going to make you stronger because the angle of attachment is such that it makes it easier to move that joint. And so if Tristan is a taller dude, then he's, his, 
his uh, body dimension is going to be such that his mechanics don't work as well. And yeah, that could be something that limits your progression compared to some little short Asian fucker that has short little thighs and a long torso, and he's just able to... Hey, man, to... don't talk about Brent like that. Well, I mean, you have to have... I got nothing. He's, he's going to go real mod. <laughs> he's, he's always mod. So, yeah, Tristan, if you're, if you're taller, then your progression is going to be slower. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Luke Rosh, this is a sweet last name. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Luke R says fixes for lumbar hyperextension. <laughs> I always like the questions without a question mark. Without, like, without question like mark, they're just demanding. Just, just statements. Fix lumbar hyperextension. Fixes. All right. Now. So basically, uh, we kept this in here, and Mike was like, "Why are we? Why are we doing this one?" But I do have some some useful information for this. So we're talking about. Uh, having an overextension of the lumbar, and this is called hypolordosis. And if you search that on 70s Big, you'll find a really uh, detailed article that I wrote on it. And uh, you see in that article that I have, there's a picture of a normal spine and there's a picture of a hyperlordotic spine, or one that has an exaggerated curve in the lumbar, okay? So you can, that'll, that'll show you what the hell we're talking about. And a lot of people have this, and part of the reason why this occurs so often now is because people are sitting down so much and their psoas and their iliacus, which are two muscles that attach onto the femur, the, the psoas attaches on the lumbar spine and comes down kind of behind all your guts and stuff and attaches on the femur. And the iliacus is on the inside of your, your pelvis, on the, the iliac crest of your pelvis and comes down and attaches on the back of the femur. So those two muscles are shortened when you're sitting down because they, they contract and make hip flexion occur. And so when you sit down a lot, the psoas is going to be shortened, and then if the psoas is shortened kind of artificially from sitting down a lot, then when you stand up, it's not it's not going to be stretched out, and it's not going to be pliable enough to elongate, so it, it kind of stays shortened when you stand up. And so because of where it attaches, it just kind of keeps that part of your, your lumbar spine pulled down as opposed to letting it relax and go vertical. The, the, so it's pulling the spine forward a little bit in the lumbar, and that's what's creating that anterior pelvic tilt, or in other words, the ass sticking out. And so, in other words, maintaining uh, mobility work, I'm sorry, being consistent with mobility work on your hip flexors is one way to combat against being hyperlordotic. And then uh, working specifically on your psoas is another way. And I talk a little bit in this video of how you can treat those muscles. And I actually have a, a video on the YouTube page on how to actually palpate and, and kind of get your fingers in there and work on the psoas. If you don't know what the psoas is or don't know what the hell I'm talking about, it is a filet mignon and a cow, but that's a digression. So you can uh, you can go and look on this post and you'll learn what the psoas is if, if you don't know what I'm talking about. And if, if, if you just want to take home, it's work on your hip flexors a lot in order to help prevent that, that overarching lower back. Uh, anything else, Justin? I don't have anything to add. On I just topic, I, I, no. Let's let's uh, let's do one let, more question. Okay. Uh, let's do uh, let's do two more if that's okay. I not, just want to answer John's really quick. Yeah. Skip. Uh, yeah. John. Not, John not one. No. John asks. Uh, will front squats maybe look as sexy as Mike Badalino in blue tights? Really looking to tighten up my ass. Uh, you know, I just like to remind, just like to say that I really regret getting John back into competing, and I, I I'm very much kidding about that uh, because I'm. I met John a year ago uh, when I traded his gym in Ocala, and uh, I was like, "Dude, dude, do you do you compete?" 
And he's like, no. He's like, I did in high school. I was like, you really need to compete again because you're really freaking strong. And uh, in the past year, I think he's t- he's gotten his deadlift from – he was pulling 600. I think he pulled 611 at his first meet, something like that. And then he pulled 650 at Nationals. And he pulled 700 for a double yesterday. That's fine. Okay. See ya. So that – so you don't need anything to tighten up your ass, okay? You don't. You're good, all right? Your glutes are firing, I assure you, if you can pull 700 for a double. So uh, definitely kidding uh, about that. I'm glad I got John to start competing again, uh, and I hope he continues to make upward progress because that's uh, 700 for doubles real good, man, especially if you know how to use a camera. Okay. Uh, last question we're going to answer is from... Uh, well, wait, 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 wait. The reason he's talking about that is because Mike's been posting uh, videos of him front squatting. And, uh, Mike, you paused 400, and we talked about that in the last episode, but you did yes. uh, you did 445. 445. Oh, wait, yeah, year. sorry. 445 front squat, yeah. which it looked... Uh, you looked tentative going down, but it was easy coming up. And so the most important part about that is that you said it's been helping you with your stones, right? Oh, yeah, I did 290 for three to a little higher platform afterwards, like, really easily. Yeah, so. but... It's definitely definitely been helping the Atlas Stones. Uh, All right, last question. Last question is from Hunter. Hunter, at, and this I really want to answer this one, uh, and I'm sure Justin will have something to add too. He wants to train for multiple strength sports. How to please all masters you are serving. I'm very interested in competing in strongman, highly gains, Olympic lifting, and powerlifting. Should I do one or two at a time? Is it possible to periodize my year, months, or even weeks to accommodate at least two of them? All right, dude, listen. Coming from someone that is try to be good at a bunch of things at once. Uh, powerlifting, it's, you can incorporate powerlifting with, uh, with strongman pretty easily because uh, strongman training, a lot of it rep- uh, is very similar to powerlifting training. Uh, when you start talking about high, Highland Games and Olympic lifting, you're talking about very specific skill sets. Okay? Uh, Olympic lifting, uh, and I, I don't know a ton about Highland Games, I'll admit that, but uh, I do follow Matt Vincent, his training pretty closely. Uh, they require years to master. So uh, you can get into powerlifting pretty quickly, and you could, uh, you know, you could do do a meet in like six months, whatever. Uh, but you know, with with Highland Games and Olympic lifting, and you know, strongman, you really want to spend a lot of time developing the sport specific, you know, strength. The, those uh, the implements, or you know, in the case of the Olympic lifting, the snatch and the clean and jerk, which are extremely technical. Uh, and definitely, for the most, for most people, require a lot of coaching. So here's my answer: figure, find one that you really want to do and do that one. Well, okay. At the same time, he's not saying he yeah. wants to master all these things. Nah, I think when he says it, how well, to please, hold on. He says how to please okay. all masters you're serving. I think that's just a weird uh, figure of speech, like, like ah, please, your master. Yes, yes, master. Like, yeah. like he's yeah. just trying to like. He's trying to say, like, how can I hit up these different goals? But still, the thing is, we, we answer this every week, and I think we're just going to stop taking this question. How do I train for all this bullshit? Like, you got to pick one, yeah. But at the same time, if you do want to compete in all these things, we talked about earlier in the episode, then yeah. just space your competitions out so you have a little bit of lead time so you can you can yeah. flow into them. Because, yeah, you can do a weightlifting meet in Highland Games with a little training, but you're not going to do yeah. very well on them. You can, you can still do them for fun, but mm-hmm. if you like spra- kind of throwing your – throwing yourself randomly into competitions and just seeing how you fare, that's fine. But if you actually want to kind of be quasi-competitive in them, you're going to have to kind of focus on them more than just a little three-week, two-week train-up into it. So 
you know the problem is the problem is the internet and the problem is people see what Misha Kokliev does. The internet. The, the people people see that you know, uh, and I'm not saying Hunter's in this pool uh, is in uh, <laughs> is in this camp camp necessarily, uh, but a lot of people look at Misha Kokliev and they're like, man, he plays third world strongest man. He has world records in Highland Games. He's a world class Olympic lifter. Uh, and he's a world-class power But lifter. the thing about Misha is that he specifically trains for one of those things at a time. When he was trying to get on the Russian national team, he was, like, weightlifting yeah. for almost a year. And he was specifically doing that shit. Even though he's able to transition pretty quickly because he's just strong yeah. as fuck and, and, and he's a good athlete. But he's, he, he specifically trains for these things. Even Well, I say that, but then he went into the... Uh, didn't he go into the Arnold and with coming off of his weightlifting training cycle and just went into the Arnold and... What did he get sixth or something? He he didn't do you know as well as he has in the past. Yeah, because his grip, I mean, he, his he grip did pretty well. Trip. Yeah, he did pretty. But he is he is a world class athlete in any time period. You know, I mean, he is one of the strongest men that have ever lived. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's so looking at him, yeah, you can be uh, you know, you can be okay at a bunch of these things, but you know, it's it's kind of hard to be Misha Cochlear. Do you want to talk about this uh, Jim Wendler thing real quick and then? Then uh, call it a day. I want to say one more thing. Um, he says, should right. I do one a year or two at a time, or is it possible to periodize okay. my year? Yeah, it's possible to periodize your year. Just see when your competitions are and go about it that way. If you if you get them too close together, then it's going to be hard to train for them. So uh, do one every three or four months, and you should be fine to still enjoy the the varied uh, the the various sports and everything. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll just we'll just post this Jim Weller thing on the fan page. Because okay. we are out of time! We know we're out of what, Justin? We're out we're of time. 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 All right, so if you want more of this nonsense, you can go to 70sbig.com. You can go to the fan page at facebook.com slash 70sbig. You can go to talk to us on Twitter at at 70sbig. You can see Mike at, is it 70sbigmike? 70sbig.com slash Mike. No, no, M-I-K-E. No. What, not, what's that? No, your Twitter is at 70sbigmike. Oh, the Twitter, the Twitter is 70s Big Mike, yeah, with no apostrophe, yes. All right, so that's where you can find more of this nonsense. Thanks again for put, making us part of your day, and you got anything, Mike? Nope, just uh, see ya. See ya.